Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, What Does Romans Chapter 13 Say About Legalism and Pandemic Life? Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Last week, January 3rd, we found that Romans chapter 13 contains three topics of discussion. They are submission to civil government, an exhortation to love neighbors, and motivation to godly conduct. While we have found what appears to be a limited case for legalism, we have as yet found any basis for pandemic life. While pandemics occurred in the Bible, the majority of them are found in the Old Testament, not the New, where we find the Book of Romans. We might be able to support pandemic life in the Book of Revelation in the first three and one-half years of that seven-year time frame, possibly even in the last half as well. It seems, based on passage titling in my Bible, if we are to find any reference to pandemic life, it should be in the first portion titled Submission to Civil Government. Causing a pandemic in any part of history, past or present, is a good way to ramp up submission to civil government. This week, we will continue our in-depth examination of Romans chapter 13. To be clear, it is recently said that this chapter speaks about legalism and pandemic life. One must first ask, how does Romans chapter 13 do that? Legalism and pandemic life are not mentioned specifically in this chapter, as some have said it does. So. Let us dig in to this chapter further to see if what we are told by these pastors and teachers really is true. We should pick this up from last week where our obvious contradiction ended that episode in part one. We were examining verses one through the first portion of verse three for a complete sentence. Leastwise, in my Bible. We left the start of the next sentence in verse 3 for this week. However, with what we have already looked at, it seems Scripture is being quite forward and unbending in what it is relating to us today. Last week, we read, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except by God's appointment, and the authorities that exist have been instituted by God. So, the person who resists such authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers cause no fear for good conduct, but for bad. Romans 
chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, in part. We then found that we have to figure out why, in light of these verses, how anyone obviously saved by Christ, according to commentary, can disobey the laws of the land as we are examining. I say that because of what Scripture just said. It would seem there is no condition or conditions of not obeying your laws of your land as what commentary has already said people were doing in biblical times. Unless there is something we are missing right now, it would seem there is a huge conflict here. Or, maybe better stated, it would seem there is a huge contradiction here. If you simply take what others say when teaching or preaching, when there is a question in your mind and or spirit, you will be led astray. When there is an apparent contradiction or conflict in Scripture, it is up to us to search it deeper to resolve the perceived contradiction or contradictions in the Scripture we are studying. It is not for us to simply take the word of another even if they hold higher and proper worldly education. My attempt here is to show you how to resolve a seeming contradiction in Scripture since we are afforded one right here in Romans 13. So without further delay, let's dig deeper. First, let's reread our passage of study. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except by God's appointment, and the authorities that exist have been instituted by God. So the person who resists such authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers cause no fear for good conduct, but for bad. Do you desire not to fear authority? Do good, and you will receive its commendation, for it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be in fear for it does not bear the sword in vain. It is God's servant to administer retribution on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of the wrath of the authorities, but also because of your conscience. For this reason, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants devoted to governing. Pay everyone what is owed. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Revenue to whom revenue is due. Respect to whom respect is due. Honor to whom honor is due. From Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. In biblical days found in Scripture, we have found that commentary has told us that Jew and Gentile alike were disobeying the law of the land. In this case, Roman law. Our contradiction is, Scripture seems extremely definite without any leeway that they were to obey the laws of their land without reason or cause to disobey regardless of how it all played out. It also seems that we today are under the same rule. 
So, the question is, why were the Jews and Gentiles of the day disobeying the laws of their land which was under Roman governance? Regardless of how unjust their rule seemed, Scripture seems to say they should be obeyed. That transcends right into our time today. Maybe commentary can help us with this contradiction. Commentary reads, 5. There were cases where it was right to resist the laws. This the Christian religion clearly taught. And, in cases like these, it was indispensable for Christians to take a stand. When the laws interfered with the rights of conscience, when they commanded the worship of idols or any moral wrong, then it was their duty to refuse submission. Yet, in what cases this was to be done, where the line was to be drawn, was a question of deep importance and one which was not easily settled. It is quite probable, however, that the main danger was that the early Christians would err in refusing submission, even when it was proper, rather than in undue conformity to idolatrous rites and ceremonies. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Now, maybe a light went on for you and the contradiction is now melting away quickly. Notice how this commentary passage opened. Quote, there were cases where it was right to resist the laws. End quote. With respect to our contradiction, this is where that contradiction forms. However, notice how commentary continues. This the Christian religion clearly taught. While this is true, it does seem to contradict our scripture passage here in Romans 13. Now, to be clear, even though you resist the law of your land in such a way, that law may still hold you liable under it regardless of how right it is to resist such a law or laws of your land. Here is an example. Suppose they made a law stating that murdering anyone of any age was now a legal practice and no one could now be prosecuted, making murdering an acceptable legal social practice. Those of us in Christ would have to disobey such a law regardless of legal consequences based on this scripture and commentaries take of what scripture means. The question in Roman days among the saved Jews and Gentiles was, in what cases this was to be done, where the line was to be drawn, was a question of deep importance and one which was not easily settled. Herein lies what can be construed as a contradiction in modern-day understanding. Now, notice what else commentary says. It is quite probable, however, that the main danger was that the early Christians would err in refusing submission even when it was 
proper. When would it be proper to follow such heathen governance? Common sense tells us very simply, if one law is bad, they are all bad given the bad source they all come from. However, notice that commentary told us this thinking is incorrect. Again, my example of speeding. Such a law in such a heathen rule is correct to follow. Unlike murder, not speeding supports the greater welfare of society in any governing authority, so we, as God's people, are instructed by Scripture to obey such laws. In our previous example, under the governance legalizing murder, we are obliged and obligated by our walk in Christ to disobey such a law because we are taught murder is wrong. Does thou shalt not commit murder ring a bell? Maybe, then, we can now see that this Romans passage was strictly written as an admonishment to those not obeying reasonably conceived laws for their day at the very least. This next commentary passage, I think, sums up this discussion. It reads, 6. In the changes which were to occur in human governments, it would be an inquiry of deep interest what part Christians should take and what submission they should yield to the various laws which might spring up among the nations. The principles on which Christians should act are settled in this chapter. Be subject. Submit. The word denotes that kind of submission which soldiers render to their officers. It implies subordination, a willingness to occupy our proper place, to yield to the authority of those over us. The word used here does not designate the extent of the submission but merely enjoins it in general. The general principle will be seen to be that we are to obey in all things which are not contrary to the law of God. From Barnes' New Testament Notes There are two interesting comments in this commentary passage we should look at. First, commentary said, The word used here does not designate the extent of the submission, but merely enjoins it in general. This is where any contradiction in this scripture passage is caused by our usual surface interpretation of what we read here in Romans chapter 13. This strongly indicates our submission is definitively conditional. As long as what is the law of our land does not conflict with God's word, our Bible, we are to obey as if it were so ordained by God himself. Notice that our degree of submission is conditional. In human terms, it greatly appears there is a very fine line between what we submit and what we do not submit 
with regard to obeying human-designed law. I contend that, at first, that line of separation is very fine. However, it grows wider and more visible over the time of our service to Christ, since we learn and understand more tomorrow than we do today. I think commentary put it quite clear and simply stated when it said, The general principle will be seen to be that we are to obey all things which are not contrary to the law of God. So, there you have it. God's law is supreme and therefore the highest law by which we are governed. The law of our land, where we live, is next and conditional. It is conditional where it violates God's law. Then, because God's law is higher and most supreme, we are to obey God's law no matter how much it conflicts with human law, regardless of where on planet Earth we live. Again, commentary also said, the word used here does not designate the extent of the submission, but merely enjoins it in general. That kills any contradiction we may have had at first read. It also proves why, when we find a contradiction in Scripture, we need to search it better and not take someone's word telling us what it means, regardless of how well known they are and how well they preach God's word in our personal estimation. Verse 1 in Green's literal translation reads, Let every soul be subject to higher authorities, for there is no authority except from God, but the existing authorities have been ordained by God. On this, commentary reads, Are ordained of God. This word ordained denotes the ordering or arrangement which submits in a military company or army. God sets them in order, assigns them their location, changes and directs them as he pleases. This does not mean that he originates or causes the evil dispositions of rulers, but that he directs and controls their appointment. By this we are not to infer, one, that he approves their conduct, nor, two, that what they do is always right, nor, three, that it is our duty always to submit to them. Their requirements may be opposed to the law of God, and then we are to obey God rather than man. Reference, Acts chapter 4, verse 19, chapter 5, verse 29. But it is meant that the power is entrusted to them by God, and that he has the authority to remove them when he pleases. If they abuse their power, however, they do it at their peril, and when so abused, the obligation to obey them ceases. That this is the case is apparent, further, from the nature of the question which would be likely to arise 
among the early Christians. It could not be, and never was a question, whether they should obey a magistrate when he commanded a thing that was plainly contrary to the law of God. But the question was, whether they should obey a heathen magistrate at all. This question the apostle answers in the affirmative, because God had made government necessary, and because it was arranged and ordered by his providence. Probably, also, the apostle had another object in view. At the time in which he wrote this epistle, the Roman Empire was agitated with civil dissensions. One emperor followed another in rapid succession. The throne was often seized, not by right, but by crime. Different claimants would arise, and their claims would excite controversy. The object of the apostle was to prevent Christians from entering into those disputes and from taking an active part in a political controversy. Besides, the throne had been usurped by the reigning emperors, and there was a prevalent disposition to rebel against a tyrannical government. Claudius had been put to death by poison, Caliglia in a violent manner, Nero was a tyrant, and, amidst these agitations and crimes and revolutions, the apostle wished to guard Christians from taking an active part in political affairs. In closing, then, obeying the speed limit is a good example of a human-made law we should obey even though it is a human law. It promotes safety and shows that human life is important, something we see is a concern of God. A law that allows murder as a legal lawful thing is such a law we have to break because our higher and more supreme law we are governed by says, even if such a thing existed as legal, it is still wrong, requiring our abstinence of obedience. Therein lies what can be the fine line we need to better define. Next week, we will continue looking at the balance of this chapter to see if there is any reference to pandemic life. Yes, we have found there is support of legalism, but not quite as much as it would seem at first read. Play or download next week's episode, What Does Romans Chapter 13 Say About Legalism and Pandemic Life? Part 3 from one of our podcast hosts. Or, follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, 
friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsafe, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled How to Be Saved at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled Introduction About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is also found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. If you would rather search for us, please use the search phrase, Church of the Un, insert dash symbol, Church, to find us on a podcast platform like iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, or Spotify, to name a few. Note, please use the dash symbol and not the word dash when you search for us. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays, U.S. time. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.